This morning, we're going to be talking about the unleavened life. And we're going to explain what that means in this dialogue that Jesus has with the the Pharisees and the disciples here in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 8. And I want to begin reading in in verse 9. Verse 9 picks up with the last verse uh, that we were reading last week and stuff. But it's it's one continual sentence into verse 10. And and that kind of sets the stage for where we're focusing in verse 11 and all. So Mark chapter 8 and verse 9. We read there that this is where, remember, Jesus had, had, uh, had fed the 4,000. So he says, now, those that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away and immediately got into a boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanutha. And so where, what Jesus is doing here, he's, he's been over in Decapolis. He's been in Gentile territory. Now he's going back across the Sea of Galilee in, uh, into the Galilean area, into where the Jews and the Gentiles live. And that's why some of the first ones to meet him, we read in verse 11, it says, Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven and testing him. You remember the Pharisees are the Jewish religious zealots uh, uh, of that day. They were, uh, uh, they were very self-centered in what they were doing. They were against Jesus and what he was doing. And, and they had become, what had happened is, is when the, the nation of, of, of Judah had gone into captivity in Babylon, the reason that happened was because of the idols that they had built. They had built uh, in the mountains, they had built these high places and, and all these different things. And it even brought it into the temple where they were worshiping these little Uh, wooden or uh, statues that they had or uh, made out of stone and they were worshiping these things. And so God kept calling them out of that and calling them out of that. And finally he said, enough's enough. And he sent them into captivity. When they came back, they didn't do any more idols, okay? <laughs> they had been in captivity that long. They decided they weren't going to do any more idols. But what happened was, so that God wouldn't punish them, they began, became very legalistic in their rules and became adding, started adding on to the rules. And that's when these Pharisees came about and they made an idol out of their religious practices. It wasn't, see, the reason God was upset about the idols, if you've been reading in the book of Hosea, is because their heart, had gone after the idols and their hearts were not going after God. It was a love thing that they loved themselves and their idols more than God. It was because that was the command they had broke. They were not loving God with all their heart, their soul, and their strength. When they came back, they did away with the idols, but they never got their hearts right. That's the Pharisees. And not only the Pharisees, but that's what they were leading. They were the religious leaders of that day. And that's the religion of the people as well, as they were following the Pharisees. And so here they come, and they're testing him. They're questioning him. They're arguing with him. Verse 12, it says, But he, Jesus, sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them. And getting in the boat again, departed to the other side. Actually, he's not going all the way back across to the capitalist. He's just going to another area of Galilee. It says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than uh, one loaf with them in the boat. Remember, they had all those left over. They forgot to take it with them, and so they hadn't had anything to eat. And so Jesus, in verse 15, charged them and said, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying it's because we have no bread. They didn't get it. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, 
Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said, then 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Now let's, let's, let's break this down. Let's, let's look at what Jesus is trying to teach the disciples and what he wants to teach us about the unleavened life. He talks about this leaven of the Pharisees in verse 15, this, this leaven of Herod. You understand what leaven is, don't you? Leaven, leaven is yeast. Yeast is added to, to bread. Matter of fact, probably uh, some of you, if you're like us on, on Thanksgiving, you had yeast rolls and stuff, and, and uh, they were delicious and, and everything. You ate too many of them and, and, and everything. And the thing about uh, uh, the yeast roll and, is that, you know, there's the, the yeast that is in there, and the yeast impacts all the dough, and, and it, it, what happens there, uh, you know, when it talks about the yeast that it impacts, matter of fact, when it talks about leaven here, leaven is not always a bad thing. Matter of fact, he talks about the leaven of the kingdom in another parable and stuff, but the, the focus is, is on how whatever is in there, whether it be good or bad, how it impacts everything that is going on around. And, and leaven can, can uh, be illustrative illustrative of the uh, the bad things and stuff because leaven, what it does when it's in the, the dough, it eats up the sugar and the gas that comes from that is uh, carbon dioxide gas. And it causes, not only does it cause the, the, the bread to rise, all of the bread to rise, but it also gives it this yeast-like flavor uh, into it as the gas permeates the, the dough uh, that, is, that is there. And in a negative way, what he's talking about here is how that sin, that that fleshly part of our, our, our lives, how it can eat away at everything in our life and how if we let it get into our lives and we indulge in it and we don't get rid of it, how it will permeate everything because uh, just like with the, the yeast destroying things within it, uh, sin does that to us as well. That's what the Bible means when it says the wages of sin is death. You know, the thing about leaven as well is, is the yeast rolls, I don't know about you, but I, I like that. I like the taste of it. And, and that's the idea of oftentimes with the flesh as well. It's, uh, it appeals uh, to the flesh. It, sin appeals to the flesh. And so we, we go after those things. And what I want you to understand, what, the, the, what we've got to understand before we get into this leaven, we've got to have this understanding. And it's taught all throughout Scripture, especially in places like the, the book of Romans and even in the Old Testament, what God was trying to expose to, uh, concerning the sin of his people is this, is that our appetites are wrong. Our, our appetites are wrong. The fleshly appetites that we have are wrong. That's why we need to be born again. It's because we, we desire things that are even food. What are the things that are the tastiest? Are the things that are the worst for us? I mean, that's a, a, a physical example of a fleshly truth. The things that we desire are not good for us. And the things that are the we desire comfort. But the best things that God has to offer for us can be very difficult and hard. 
the things that we desire, the things that, that we're drawn to, and, and oftentimes in, the, uh, in our walk, the things that we're initially drawn to, our first reaction is, is, is oftentimes a fleshly reaction that is wrong. Our appetites are wrong. That's demonstrated by this, this teaching of the leaven. That's why we need to live an unleavened life. And the life that Jesus calls us to is an unleavened life. Now, it's better. Understand, it is better. The joy that Jesus has is a joy. Oftentimes, it's a joy that we won't pursue on our own. We don't pursue on our own, but it is the best. It is the best. So here we have this teaching of the leaven. The first thing I want us to look at is this leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees. And, and here he's, he's talking about religiously. And, and so we're talking primarily to the church or to those that, that attend church. And, and that's who we have online. That's who we have here uh, today. And, and so that's, that's what he's referring to is, is, is how they, they brought the flesh into their religion, into their, they didn't have Christianity, but we oftentimes bring it into our Christianity. Notice in verse 15, as he, he mentions this leaven, and, and we'll define this leaven in verse 15, where he says, he says, he's talking to his disciples there. He charges them and says, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So that's, that's what this is all about. So he tells them to be careful about that. The leaven of the Pharisees is their religious pride. They, they, they did religious things. They said they did it for God, but it was really for themselves. Their religion, their, their religious actions was all full of pride. The religion, uh, I mean, the, the leaven of Herod there is just out and out pride. He was just a prideful, arrogant being that did whatever he wanted, that's what he got. He had the power and he went out and got it. He stole his brother's wife. He had John the Baptist uh, arrested and beheaded there. Whatever he wanted, he got and that's what the idea of leaven, he's making that connection, is that Herod and his arrogance and his pride, and yet the same thing was in the Pharisees as well. They just disguised it religiously. See, leaven is this. Leaven is a self-centered religious life. That's what he means by this leaven is that we give the form of religion, we come to church, we, we do the, the Christian thing, but we do it for all the wrong reasons, and it is self-centered in everything that is a... This self-centered religious life can be very pervasive. It, it, it affects just like the yeast, just like the leaven. It affects all of, of the dough. It affects all of our lives. It creeps into everything where our worship becomes self-centered, our praying becomes self-centered, our ministry becomes self-centered, Self-centered, even our sacrifices and our giving, it all becomes self-centered. It permeates every area of our life. And that is why so many people are so empty in, in sitting in pews in the church or watching online and yet are very empty. It's because their, their religion, their Christianity is all self-centered. They're full of leaven. And Jesus is calling us to an unleavened life. He talks about sign-seeking, and, and that's what they were, were doing. He mentions that in, in verse 12, that that's what the Pharisees were doing. But their sign-seeking just points out that they are self-serving. Self-serving. Listen, 
the Jesus life. And in Mark chapter 8, it's, it's fixing to get real deep and he's fixing to lose a lot of followers or a lot of fringe followers. Because a little bit later in chapter 8 is where Jesus is going to say, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's the Jesus life. It calls for discomfort. It calls for sacrifice. It calls for sacrificial service. The leavened religion, the leavened life serves itself. And is only happy, not really even happy, <laughs> but feels like it'll only be happy when self is being served. So that's what he means by this leaven. Back, let's back up to verse 11. And here we see the Pharisees expressing. We see this leaven expressed there in verse 11 where it says, Then the Pharisees came out and they began to dispute with him. I think the key in all this passage is, 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 is this little uh, pronoun, him. The key in verse 11 is him. They're disputing with, with him, okay? They're seeking from Him a sign for heaven. They're testing Him, Jesus. And see, they're, but they're, their religion is not about Him, it's about them. That's, that's what is going on here. And so how is that, the self-serving religion, how is it expressed? Well, it's expressed in an antagonistic attitude. By that, uh, they, it says here that they came out to him. When they came out to him, they weren't coming out to learn. They were coming out to see what needed to be changed in their life. They were coming out to argue. They were coming out to attack. They were coming out uh, against him. They were coming out to prove that they were right. What is your religion about? Do you come, do you open up God's word every day to say, God, teach me, change me, mold me into what you want me to be? That's, that's the way Christianity ought to be. But they're coming with a, a self-centered, antagonistic attitude. They're coming with disputing dialogue. It says there that they began to dispute with him. They came out and they began to dispute with him. They're arguing with Jesus. You know, we, we try to, and this is what leaven can do to you, we, we try to fancy it up. And it skews up our argumentative, rebellious attitudes. We talk about wrestling with God. We call it wrestling with God. You know what God calls it? Rebellion. When we should just say yes. Now, he'll, he'll wrestle with us to get us where we need to be. But how much better would it be just to come and bow the knee and say, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do. To just say yes to him. Disputing dialogue. They ask questions, but they're not looking for answers. You know people like that? I know I've been like that. Where I've gone to God and out of my frustration and asked God questions, but I didn't want him to answer me. <laughs> I just wanted him to know that I was upset with him. And I'm sure that really bothered him. <laughs> Disputing dialogue, sign-seeking. It says there in verse, uh, verse 11, they were seeking from him a sign from, 
from heaven. In other words, just feeding, feeding uh, uh, 5,000 people wasn't enough. And then doing it again and feeding 4,000 people wasn't enough. Causing blind eyes to see wasn't enough. Healing a, a woman with an issue of blood wasn't enough. Having a lame man get up and walk wasn't enough. Raising a little girl from the dead wasn't enough. So that's the thing about sign-seeking. It's never enough. When we're only looking for an experience, it's never enough. They were wanting Jesus to prove who he was. And by prove, what they were saying was basically, we're not going to follow you anywhere, anyways. We just want you to do something. The danger of signs is that signs, listen to me, and I, I've seen this so much and it, it's, it's verified in Scripture, signs can harden you. Do you realize that answered prayer can harden your heart? God does answer prayer. But He doesn't do it just to do it. He does it for a reason. God does miracles. But I've seen it so many times that a person whose heart is not right with God gets an answer and their heart moves even further away from God. For instance, folks who, who, uh, uh, who uh, lose a job and they come in and they pray, get a job, get a job, get a job. And God answers that prayer and gives them a job. And then two weeks later, you can't see them anywhere. Prosperity does not draw us closer to God. Do we want the things or do we want God? They do tricky testing. They're putting Jesus to the test. It says here, testing him. You know, it seems like I remember somebody else that tested Jesus. And his name was Satan. And ever we try to put Jesus to the test, we're, we're on the wrong team. That's what they're doing. They're putting Jesus to the test. They're wanting Jesus to change. They're wanting Jesus to do something for them rather than them change, let Jesus change their hearts toward him. They're the ones that need to change. But that's, that's the way the leaven is expressed in this self. And, and I don't know about you, but it, that, that describes me at different points in my life. And I, don't want, to, I want God to get the leaven out. And he can and he will. And here Jesus, and, and this is beautiful here, how Jesus addresses the leaven. The leaven is addressed by Jesus in, in verse 12 where it says there uh, that he sighed deeply in his spirit and he said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And it, it seems like he's harsh there, but what he is doing, he's dealing with sin here. He's dealing with pride here. He's dealing with leaven here and he needs to get it out. So first of all, we see that Jesus is grieved. He's not surprised, but he's grieved. He sighs deeply. That, what that means is that he was wounded deep within. The, the translator's trying to get this across with that word deeply there, that it's not just Jesus saying, oh, I can't believe you did this, but he is wounded deep in his heart. Do you realize our sin grieves Jesus? It wounds him. 
He's already been wounded physically, but spiritually, every time we go with our pride, every time we go against Him, every time we question Him, every time we we ask God for more when He's already blessed us with so much, it it, it wounds Him. Matter of fact, the Bible says very clearly that we can grieve Him. It commands us to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And the reason he's grieved is because he loves us so much and all he wants from us is to love him back. So Jesus is grieved. And then this first statement that Jesus made, all Jesus is doing is trying to get them to see their heart. He's exposing their heart as he says, why does this generation seek a sign? He's asking them, why are you doing this? And he wants them to answer the question. He wants them to reflect. He wants them to look within and say, it's because my heart is bad. My heart is sinful. I'm full of pride. Jesus, help me. He's exposing that. Why do we do what we do? Why do we not serve God like he deserves to be served? Why do we not worship God like he deserves to be worshipped? Why do we continually neglect his word and neglect our time in prayer? And, and, and why do we not love him with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our strength? Instead of just feeling bad about that, let God expose that and deal with it and cleanse us from that. He exposes our heart. And then Jesus reveals very, very... <laughs> Specifically them, I'm not here to play games. Jesus doesn't play games with us. Everything he does is for a reason. As he says, I say to you, no sign should be given to this generation. Now over in Matthew, he, he adds a little bit to that. He clarifies that a little bit more. When he says no sign, in other words, he's saying, I'm not going to do a miracle right now for you just because you're asking for one. I'm not going to do a miracle for miracle's sake. Matter of fact, when Jesus did the miracles, he never did it just for miracle's sake. He did it because he cared for those people. He did it because those, to bring those people to, 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 to faith in him. They were already putting a faith in him. Matter of fact, before the man ever got up and walked, he said his sins were forgiven. Now get up and walk. And so that, 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 Jesus was about the person. He's ministering to the person. But here he says that, that no, the reason no sign is going to be given is because the sign is not going to change them. Signs don't change people. Signs can't save you. Only Jesus can. Signs don't soften our heart. Only Jesus can and the Holy Spirit can. But he said that there's going to be a sign coming and it's going to be the sign of Jonah. That just like Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days and came out, I'm going into the grave for three days and I'm coming out. That's the only sign we need. Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day. That's the good news. That's the sign. He is everything he claimed he he was. He is everything God said he would be. He is everything the Scripture said he he would be, and so much more. He and he alone is everything that we need. The leaven of the Pharisees. And then he brings it home here with the leaven of the disciples. Now we're going deeper. Because it's one thing to say those bad Pharisees without seeing that we're Pharisaical. But that's what he's exposing to the disciples. Because he didn't just tell them about the leaven of the Pharisees. What does he say? He says, beware. Because it can get in our lives too. Even those that have left everything to follow him. He says... 
there he talks about the danger of the leaven. He tells them to take heed. He takes, tells them to beware. And then in verse 17, Jesus begins teaching them. And he says, being aware of it, you know, that they talked about the bread and, and that they didn't have any bread. He says, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see? And having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? See, Jesus is addressing their heart. Listen, my problem is not that I mess up. My problem is that I am messed up. And I don't need God just to fix up my messes. I need God to change me. I don't, I, I can't, I don't see right. I don't listen right. And my heart is not what it should be. And I need God to change me. The danger of leaven is, is that when we, allow, when we allow the littlest bit of self-centeredness and flesh, we bring it, we give into it, into our lives. What, how, do, how does that uh, affect us? It affects us in that we can't see. We couldn't see before. This is something the Holy Spirit has to give us sight. But when we're, we're leaning upon our flesh and we're leaning upon, when we're allowing these things to come into our life, this pride, the, the, the lust, the, the, uh, the arrogance, the self-centeredness, the, all those things are in our lives, then, then we can't see, we can't perceive what God wants us to do. We can't perceive what, the, the right way of doing things. And here, that's what's going on with them. They're talking about bread. He said, what are you talking about bread for? I'm not talking about whether or not you're, that I want a loaf of bread and you ain't got any. I can make it appear I don't know nothing. I did that for 5,000 people. I did it for 4,000. I'm talking about something spiritual in your heart. Why can't you see that? You can't see it. It's because you've got leaven there as well that needs to come out. See, quit looking at the bread. Quit looking at the situation. Jesus says, look at me. Look at me. We're going to get into more of that just right here in just a moment. But we can't see. We can't hear. He says here, he says, do you not perceive nor understand? And then in verse 18, he says, having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? He's talking about spiritual. They don't understand. Not only can they not perceive, but they don't understand. Listen, listen to me. As, as I preach, and, and even those of you online, when you're, you're hearing, you know, you'll preach and you'll see people out there nodding their head. This is more than just nodding the head. A lot of times that's the way we do. We'll read scripture or something like that. Where we'll just nod our head and then we'll go on and never be changed. Jesus doesn't want us to nod his head. Jesus wants us to bow in our hearts before him. It's, it's more than that. He, we, and listen, that takes time. That takes more than just sitting and listening to a sermon. That takes time getting together and looking at it afterwards and praying and coming to the Lord. That's why, you know, even for those of you here in person, this altar's always open. You know, even in the midst of our, our distancing and things like that, if you need to come and seal some things with God and let God speak into your life and, and do that, it's here. You can do that at home rather than just turn it off and move on to something else. Let's, let's deal with what God is speaking to us about. 
about. Let's listen to him. Ask him what he's saying. Ask him what he wants us to do. Pray to him. Give those areas of our life that we're struggling and give them over to him. That's why Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you shall find. That's what we need to be doing. It's not just about getting what we want, but we're asking for him. We're asking for him to show us. We're asking for him to change us. We're knocking on the door saying, Lord, I want to come into a deeper walk with you. We're seeking him, not the things of him. And he says, when that's what's going on, you'll get it. You'll get it. But we can't see and we can't hear and we can't feel. He talks about the heart. It's amazing how much he talks about the heart. He says, is your heart still hardened? He's talking about being numb. Being numb to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. Being numb to what God is doing. You see what was going on in the nation of Israel with the Pharisees and stuff. See, the whole thing was the heart issue. I mentioned that earlier with the idols. The problem with idols is not that they were doing the wrong thing. It's that their heart was not where it should be. They didn't love God with all their heart. That's why they went. They, and what did they love? The idol? No. They loved what they thought the idol could bring. They wanted the prosperous crops. They wanted the money. They wanted to have all those things and still give into their flesh and do whatever sins their flesh wanted, uh, wanted to do. They wanted all of that. And all God wanted was their love. That was the issue. And now they've come back. And there's no more idols there, but they still don't love God. They still, they're still loving themselves. their hearts are not right. Let me tell you something. When you get your heart right with God, you'll begin to see what He wants you to see. And you'll begin to hear His voice. That's one of the key issues in hearing God is to have a heart for God. Absolutely. So He warns them of the danger of leaven. And then here comes the victory. The victory over the leaven. He says, and it's just... And, and this is not the complete victory, but this is really where it all starts. And then God takes us from there. It's back in, in verse 18 where he says, Having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear? He says, And do you not remember? Remember. And then he begins to take them back. He talks about in verse 19, he says, I broke the five, the five loaves for 5,000. And how many full fragments? Did you take up 12? And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, seven loaves, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said seven. And so we said to them, how is it you do not understand? And he's not talking about math here. He's, not, he's talking about who he is. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? First of all, don't you remember who he is? If I can do that, I can do anything. Remember who I am. Remember who Jesus is. Jesus is God. He's not worrying about whether they've got bread or not. He's not worrying about all these, these things, that the religious details that we get so worried about. He just wants our heart. 
That's, that's, all the, that's what he's working with is, is in the heart. But remember who he is. He is God. He has the power to take care of everything. That, listen, Jesus, our whole life needs to be about him. It is all about him. Remember who he is. He's the Messiah. Listen, as Jesus came on the scene, this really did happen. Jesus did these things. Jesus said these things. He really did die on a cross. He really was buried. And the third day, he rose from the dead, and that tomb is empty, and it is always been empty. It's, it's, he's, he is everything. 300 and over 350 scriptures in the Old Testament said when he comes, this is what he'll be like. And he fulfilled every one of them. Not because he was checking off a list, but because that's who he was. He was the promised one. He was God the Son in human flesh and did everything that needed to be done and everything we need is found in Him. Remember who He is. And then remember how much He cares. Earlier when their heart was hardened and He's getting back to it here is because they weren't caring about the people around them. And that's what he's, he's, I think he's really getting back to that. He said, remember, remember what I did. Remember how much I cared for them. I loved them. I, I, I fed them. They were hungry and I fed them. They were hurting and I ministered to them. They were hungry spiritually and I fed them spiritual food. I taught them. They were lost and I found them taking care of them and not only do I love them but this is where it comes home to the disciples but if I took care of them won't I take care of you remember how much he cares for you he loves us he loves us and whatever we need he will provide He's not into just doing miraculous signs that may lead us to be even more hardened against him. But he will always take care of his children because he loves us. He cares for us. If you're hurting, you can come to him. If you're struggling, he understands. If you're struggling to hear, He will help you to hear. If you're struggling to see, He will help you to see. If you're struggling in your emotions and your feeling and your heart, He will help your heart. He will heal your heart. He will cleanse your heart. He'll do that. If you're weak, He will be your strength. Don't ask for a sign. Just trust Him. He loves you. He cares for you. Remember. And don't ever forget. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, 
please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.